0: Season twelve already, JB. I, it's unbelievable to me that it has been eleven years, basically, going to season twelve yeah. you now. When Eric, Wren and I started this in two thousand eight, going way back. Mm-hmm. The audio podcast, September twenty fourth. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, you came on not long after uh, that with us. I think.
1: I think I called you guys on the very first show, and you're like, who is this guy?
0: <laughs> James Baker, Oh, Baker.
1: Who's <laughs> yeah. calling us from L.A.? Like, what? Yeah, been a long Blind time. one. Time. James
0: Baker. Go ahead. Uh, no, I, you know, I do miss the live uh, notion of the show, but at the same time, it does not or did not allow us to do some of the nifty things we do these days uh, on this uh, version yeah. of the show. In the Huddle has uh, gone strong, for those of you that are new to us. Uh, we are a weekly podcast show, although we'll drop multiple episodes each week so that we don't bore you for three hours yeah, each week. This is going to be about a 90-minute <laughs> show, cross our fingers here. And we got some interviews coming up throughout uh, that if you've uh, gone through Facebook or the other means, we'll list out uh, exactly what's going on here. Uh, we don't want to waste much time on the show. Uh, Mickey Rearing from uh, SUNY Maritime will be joining us also. Uh, help me out here because I'm going for, to forget somebody if I'm not careful uh, with our other interviews. There's, uh,
1: J- Jason Jason Helwig, uh,
0: senior quarterback
1: from Brockport, and yep. then I also believe there was a, a James Gillespie? Gillespie. Gillespie, yes, right.
2: You got Gillespie from Widener. From,
1: from Widener. Uh, so we got a little bit of a little mix of uh, of conferences from, you know, we got all the way in the Bronx, we got upstate, we got a little PA, so it should be fun.
0: New England, we won't forget about you, don't you worry. We've got plenty of talk about New England. And so we're going to start in yep. New England here. Uh, obviously, uh, Mickey Raring is de facto a New Englander based on the, this discussion. The way <laughs> the ECFC goes is a little bit uh, pan-region uh, here in the East. Yes. So let's, let's start with uh, the ECFC. We're going to show you last year's win-loss records, talk about the changes in the each conference. Look at the week one schedule briefly. Uh, We'll note some other games or some special games, we think, uh, later on the show. And then uh, what we're going to drive this run is our projected winners and sleepers and why we picked those teams. Uh, to be such Uh, that was kind of what you asked for in our Twitter poll uh, basically tied with uh, games to watch so we're going to cover about 78% of uh, your desires on this show right here maybe talk about where I'm going to be a week one so uh, could you get your wife in we'll we'll get everybody happy if uh, we get Jen in here
1: yeah I'm surprised she didn't get more votes man I guess I you know she had mine that's all right yeah (laughs) <laughs> Same here
0: <laughs> Well, you know, you've got to sleep with her night. I don't, so <laughs> Right, indeed, indeed. <laughs> just, just saying so. Okay, let's start with the ECFC here And um, the top line team is no longer in the ECFC They were 6-0 to uh, finish the season In conference last year Though 8-3 and three overall, 7-3 and three heading into the playoffs Husson uh, now joins the CCC So we have an interesting Six-team league uh, SUNY Maritime was the best of breed left in there uh, Last season Mm-hmm. but uh, Dean is not eligible for the postseason at least until 2020, probably until 2021. Uh, that is just because they're a provisional th- program.
1: Yeah, and I thought that they they already you know came over that hurdle. I thought there was like a two-year probationary period with the NCAA, but it sounds like it's more of a three- or four-year one um, based on what you're hearing from, from uh, Pat and folks at D3Football.com. For some reason, I thought they would be eligible this season, but at the end of the day, I think – one thing you and I definitely agree on is that, you know, until proven otherwise, SUNY Maritime is probably the, the team to beat in, in this conference.
0: Yeah, you can see the schedule on the screen uh, one more time. And SUNY Maritime, you as you said, projected winners for both of us. Um, we'll talk about uh, that interview in a second. Sleeper Anna Maria, uh, the last place team technically, although tied with Alfred State in the, the record columns. Um, Coach Maroney, uh in uh, Anna Maria is a dynamic fellow. I am hoping for him. We don't root for teams, but he's one of those guys you want to see succeed there because he just eats, breathes, sleeps uh, D3 football, football in general. Love the guy. We're going to have him on the show this season, guaranteed. We're going to wait for him to win a game uh, with this team to get him and or a player on. I hope to go up there to see them live at some point this season. So uh, beware, (laughs) Anna Marie. I may be there. But, uh, you know, he's just... He's got the charisma. Can the team deliver mm-hmm. is the question. Let's talk about Anna Maria before we dive into SUNY Maritime.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had the chance to talk to Coach Mulroney uh, as of uh, covering the ECFC for D3Football.com's kickoff publication. Um, really interesting guy. I mean, he's been recognized by the American Football Coaches Association as one of, like, the top um, 35 guys under under 35, and he became a head coach at... I think only uh, 27 uh, years old football at Boston College and and I think it's Stony Brook as well. Um, just and just a really hard working guy and and, and one thing's that the, the really see especially on social media is sort of the just the brand awareness kind of the, the positive I mean you know you're end of the day they they were 1 9 team last year um, and so you know, there's definitely things that they need to work on on the football field but as far as winning the offseason, I mean, just their, their social media presence, their positive attitude, that can-do, they really do believe that they're going to get this thing turned around, and it'll be interesting to see if, if this is the year.
0: So that's Anna Maria. Let's go back to SUNY Maritime, who we both project as the winner here uh, for the CFC. Mickey Rearing comes from Johns Hopkins, a former defensive coordinator uh, for Hopkins, and he's somebody that a lot of people thought left because he didn't get the head job and you're gonna learn in this interview that is not the case um, and we make that perfectly clear after he said it once we made sure we heard him right because we didn't know ourselves uh, what exactly the situation was and uh, after you know losing Jim Margraf last year, uh, or between uh, seasons, uh, I should say, was yeah. actually this year, this in calendar year. Right? Yeah, in uh, j- very early January, uh, things turned upside down for everybody connected with that program at Johns Hopkins. He lands at SUNY Maritime. Uh, Coach DiGatano, uh was surprised. We talk about that in the interview, but was very humble about the situation uh, afterward. He's doing fine. Uh, we talk to him uh, frequently, see him on Twitter and whatnot. So uh, Coach DiGatano is uh, mm-hmm. uh, still uh, very much alive and well in the football ranks and uh, happy to see that. He's Go a great guy. <laughs> yeah, Ford and Rams. He's up there or down there. I, I'm actually upstate this week, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Coach Rearing is somebody that is going to do a great job, we think, at SUNY Maritime. You'll see why in this interview right now. JB, uh, we have a guest here that uh, was not in our region officially uh, last season, obviously, but uh, Coach Rearing is uh, joining us now from uh, SUNY Maritime. And Coach, uh, welcome to In the Huddle officially. Uh, You are part of our In the Huddle family now.
3: Thanks, guys. I appreciate having me and uh, appreciate all you do for D3 football. Thank you,
0: sir. But uh, you know what? I I did get to see your uh, team last season, Uh, both teams technically. Uh, Maritime uh, early in the season when they faced Husson uh, in a tough game there. Uh, and then I saw your Johns Hopkins team when they uh, faced RPI down in Baltimore. Uh, let's let's kind of go over uh, kind of the past here first. This has been a pretty brutal offseason news-wise for anybody affiliated with Hopkins, etc. Uh, we talked to David Tamero about it a little bit. Let's hear it from you. How did you find out that Coach Margraff had passed? Uh, what was your reaction? And what led you ultimately to decide to leave Hopkins at that point, or not right at that point, but a little bit later on, to get to Maritime?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I was in complete shock. And it was something where Coach would always, always joke with me and Greg uh, that we ruined more football games for him than, than anybody because he hated commercials, so he always watched – games uh you know with his with his TiVo or or whatever it may be uh recorded. Uh and me and Greg would be texting with him back and forth and and um and you know a big play would happen or something we we'd react and, and he would come back. Hey stop it guys you're ruining the game for me because he wasn't quite there. Um, so we were watching the Rose Bowl the night before and, and the three of us were on a text chain and then um I get a call from Greg uh who's um he was in Chicago at the time and and got a call and, and told me the news. And right away, the uh, athletic director and our sports information director, Ernie Larosa, came down and, and uh, there really wasn't any words that needed to be spoken. It was something that was, um, I felt like I, I lost a, a part of my family, because that, that's how I viewed Coach Margraff. Um, it really was shock. Um, it took a few days to set in, and quite honestly, there are certain days where um, it really hasn't set in. There's things now that, that I'm dealing with uh, as a head coach that, you know, I'd love to pick up the phone and, and ask coach's opinion on it. And, and unfortunately, um, can't do that. So, um, you know, that, that that was the biggest thing. I th- I, but quite honestly, and the unique thing about here, um, probably the last in-person conversation I had with with uh, Coach Margraf was about the SUNY Maritime job. And uh, he talked me to me about it and how much success – uh, Maritime has had in the past and, and you know what they could potentially do moving forward and he was fired up because he's a Long Island guy so he started talking about pizza shops and and uh, you know everything that's great in New York um, so that was really one of the last conversations I had with him so then moving forward you know obviously we, we stuck together as, as a program at Hopkins and, and, and tried to just be there for each other um, and obviously uh, Greg's going to do a great job. He's a dear friend of mine. And, and we probably became closer through the whole month of January and into February. And even today, uh, just through, through that, that tragedy that we had to deal with together.
0: For those that might have missed uh, this part of it, though, I want to make it clear that you were considering other jobs, maritime jobs, et cetera, before Coach Margrave passed away. This was not a decision based on, oh, I didn't get uh, the Johns Hopkins job, so I'm going elsewhere at that point.
3: Uh, Correct. And it was something, like I said, it's, um, you know, as we went through the process, me me and Greg got close with it and we understood that, um, you know, I was there for him and he was there for me. And and, uh, we found out the same day. Uh, He found out he got the Johns Hopkins job and and I found out uh, here at Maritime and and Greg uh, approached Coach Margraff's wife that to let her know that he had gotten the job and would be named the head coach. And her first question, or one of her first questions was, what about Mickey? And uh, Greg told her, and, and she started crying. She said, Jim would have been so proud. You know, his guys are are doing what they want to do. And, uh, you know, that was that was a big thing for me. And she was, you know, called me right off the, right off the, uh, as, soon, as soon as she got off the phone with Greg and congratulated me. And that's you know, the Hopkins family because of Jim. And it's something that, that we are we are a tight knit group, and I I'll always feel part of that institution, whether I'm here or, or whether I was still there. Well, Coach, back when you and I spoke in July,
1: I think you were um, on a family vacation out in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and I was I was at the beach with my with my uh, wife and yeah. all our kids. And um, one of the things that you uh, told me about your conversation with Coach uh, Margraff when you were considering the opportunity to go up there to the frogs Neck was, you know. Uh, if they won in the past, uh, they can win there again. I think was what uh, he he told you. And so you 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 know it's it's you know you were coming into a good situation. Um, you know, SUNY has been you know knocking on the door for the ECFC title. I uh, had won it a couple of years back. Um, so you, you you tell us a little bit about this um, this roster of players that you've inherited, plus this you know your first I guess recruiting class, even though it was it was probably truncated given the timing.
3: Exactly. You know, I was. I found out on my interview, I actually got a chance to meet some of the players and, and realized uh, they had gone through a lot. Obviously, with Coach Holmes leaving um, late in the season, or late in, in the year, right before the season, last season. And then uh, bringing in Coach Digitano and, and and then present the interviews and, and me. So within six months, I was, I was their third head coach. Um, but you could tell that they wanted to take that next step and and that they wanted to work hard. They 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 were there. They saw it. It was just just out of their grasp for one reason or another. And um, you know, it's it's something I've had experience coaching in the play, playoffs and, and competing for conference championships. And and that's the thing that I want to do here: is each and every year is put the best um, football team we can every week and, and and compete in a conference that's from top to bottom very competitive within ourselves. And uh, but something that I think if we if we do what um, we can do with the talent that we have currently, um, that's to at the end end of the end of the year be in a position to uh, compete for that championship and and get that automatic bid that the ECFC has. Um, And that's any job coach would talk talk to coach about, or or really any of the coaches that that coach under Coach Margraf. That was the thing. You know, what do they have? What have they done? Um, The thing about here is is we've won in the near past in last year and the year before. And we've been to playoff games here at Maritime. It's not like it's a complete rebuilding process. Um, Our roster is a little bit different than the years past at Maritime. Um, Our numbers are a little bit down than what they're used to. Um, I did come in late in the beginning of March. So the recruiting class was um, small when I got here. And and I think the staff uh, did a great job of of coming together and and bringing in 25 talented players. and then next year, it'll be a full recruiting cycle. At the time we got there, there wasn't much new, re- many new recruits that we could uh, go after. It was basically whoever had applied, and, and that's what we did. But uh, I think we are able to get some great players that will, that will compete early for us and it's shown in the preseason. One thing I, that
0: uh, folks know, uh, D, uh, Coach Diego Gatano was a good fan of the uh, program. And I mm-hmm. uh, got to talk with him a little bit uh, as things were changing uh, at the beginning of the year or earlier in the year. And he was disappointed, obviously, but uh, he was also Mm -hmm. very supportive, it seemed like, of you and the program and, uh, you know, what he and uh, Coach Holmes had built uh, prior, uh, you know, over the many years now uh, that they had their involvement. Uh, Did they leave things uh, in good shape overall? Uh, Obviously, you want to improve it. uh, There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. that. But this is one of those situations that seems like it wasn't really broken uh, per se, but a a change was uh, desired kind of give us an overview of how things were left and, you know, what you think you can add to this uh, equation overall to make things so much better, or not even necessarily so much better. You can't get many more wins than they had necessarily, but just better generally uh, for the ECA FC uh, chase and then overall the uh, NCA possibilities that come with it.
3: Yeah. Full disclosure, Coach Holmes and Coach Degitano were two of the first people to call me and congratulate me when when the news broke that I got the job. And that's that's a testament of, of their character, um, and, and I don't take that lightly. It was, it was something that that I was uh, um, I had heard that the Coach DiGatano was a little bit disappointed. I, I've I've met him since then, working some Fordham camps and and things um, just through passing, and uh, you know we we're able to throw some ideas off. And 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 again, it's it's. Uh, um, it just speaks to, to who he is as a person, who he is as a coach, that, that it's not about he wants what's best for this place because it was a special place for him. And, um, you know, other people decided the, the who the new head coach would be. Um, so I, 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 I was not shocked because I had known um, both of those coaches through other coaches and, and they have both been spoken very highly of and, and now have started a relationship with both of them. Um, and they definitely didn't leave the cabinet bare by any means. You know, we got plenty of talent that they had recruited themselves or or were part of the recruitment process while they were here. Um, this is a very unique place um, with some military aspects to it, and and uh, you know just location and things like that. Uh, so they 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 helped me kind of learn um, of of kind of how did things go here. It's way different than the other institutions that I've been at um so you know they've been a huge asset to me and, and a great resource to have um you know and and the thing you know there just was a lot of transition so I went through a coaching change whenever I was in college and, and we had some guys that decided to to move on I'm sure that was the case and obviously two transition periods in six months um probably caused some players to to move away from the program but you know our main focus now are the you know 80 or so guys that we have on our current roster and to get them better every single day and and again look forward to getting on the field and showcasing what we have on september 7th
1: yeah you're uh, you're being quickly indoctrinated into the uh you get the marathon the maritime marathon with the uh, <laughs> main maritime and mass maritime and then suny and then uh, the united states merchant marine it's like back to back to back so it's going to be a an interesting uh, gauntlet to run there um, uh, but talking back to those 80-some guys uh, when we spoke back in July, you had mentioned um, the competition between I think it was Jack Lynn, uh, Chris Snupper, and and Rob Wheeler for um, the opening at quarterback. Uh, unfortunately for you, Thomas Wright graduated. He was a great quarterback um, to, for the Privateers, and I'm sure you would have liked him to have an extra year of eligibility. Uh, but tell us a little bit, you know, since we're uh, as we're recording this, we're about uh, a week away from games kicking off, or about nine days away from uh, next Saturday. So, you know, uh, preseason's already underway. I'm sure you've gotten a good look at these uh, these QBs that are going to run your offense. What are you thinking?
3: I, I think each of them have a different skill set that that makes them unique to themselves and and bring something to the table offensively. Um, You know, not just the transition from head coaching, but uh, we've gone through a lot of transition assistant coaching wise. So this is a third offense that these guys will be learning in a calendar year, uh, which is hard to do, especially at that position. So I think the biggest thing is is for us is to utilize the strengths of who we have offensively. Um, Each of them, you know, one day one will have a better day than the other two, then another guy will have a better day. So uh, we still have a few days to figure it out. you know, we also do have a freshman that came in from Long Island, Michael Varela, um, who's also doing a great job. So between the four of them, it's it's a good competition to have. And and uh, you know, whatever we you know, I decide and, and Adam Moses, our offensive coordinator, decides, you know, who can lead our offense the best and who can who can uh move the football down the field the best will be the one that'll take it. And, and uh, you know, quite honestly, it might change a little bit of what we do offensively, play calling wise, but won't change our mentality that um, you know, we want to attack the tack down the field as much as we can while establishing a run game and and uh, protecting the football on the same things. And what any whichever one of those four can do that the best will be the one that, that gets the starting nod on the seventh.
1: Well, on the flip side, you have uh, Liam uh, Bailey and linebacker. I think he was elected one of your captains, um, potential mm-hmm. you know, defensive player of the year uh, candidate for the conference. I mean, he's, he's been, um, you know, starter multiple seasons now uh, for the privateers. Um, You're a defensive guy. I mean, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, this maybe some of the changes of the schemes. I mean, offense has changed a lot, as you mentioned, you know, given the, the transition. How is the how is the defense,
3: um, you know, picking up on, on what you want to bring to the table there in Throgs Neck? I, I, a strength of our team is, is the number of guys we have back on defense. We lose... Uh, some guys up front, some some great players, Peyton Campbell and and things. It, it, you know they did a great job, and that's what we'll have to replace with the back end. We all have a lot of those guys back, and and uh, I kind of go back to my first year at Hopkins. We had a great middle linebacker in, in the name of Taylor Matchow. Uh He was a captain for us. He was everything, and I remember my first day in the job, Coach Margraf. I was coaching linebackers, and Coach Margraf's best advice to me was. Don't mess up, Taylor. That was it. Just, just don't screw it up. He'll make plays, and that's a little bit that you got to do with William. William is one of the best linebackers I've seen at this level.
4: I really have,
3: and and with the experience that I've had, coaching in Division Three, going to the playoffs, seeing other teams, seeing teams outside of the Centennial, he he's up there with some of the best ones. He he just has a knack for the game. Um, you know, and and again, you talk to any Hopkins guys that have been in that that coaching tree, um, you know, when you're best players, your hardest workers, you have a great foundation for success. And, and I, we have to kick him out of the weight room a lot of the time. You know, he just he, he's constantly working. He's constantly getting better. Yeah, we got to do that with Frank, too. I mean, he's just always <laughs> in the uh, give, you know, Right. This guy. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, we have two captains on defense that, that I think are, are, are really helping bring our, our young players um, around. And uh, obviously Liam, who will be a two, two-time captain. Um, and then Justin Snuffer, who who's our starting uh, safety, um, who- uh, What a great name for a football player. Snuff the run. Yeah, so you know, and he's done really, really well, and, and, and like I said, you know, we've gone through three offenses, so that this is our third defense in a calendar year. So we have our work cut out for us for sure. But it's it's uh, you know, our main focus right now is is just getting better. We can't win a football game today, but if we don't get better at the little things, you know that'll add up and and lose us a football game down the road. So we're just focusing on ourselves and getting better each day and and understanding what the schemes we want to do in, in all three phases. And um, you know, this Saturday we'll scrimmage a little bit and try to knock the rust off and then, and then start on Labor Day for our uh, main Maritime prep. So I'm wondering here, uh, you know, the Jim
0: Zeros of the world, who uh, is the committee chair again this year, uh, if the uh, Maritime squad were able to win the ECFC and if Hopkins gets back to the playoffs too, there is a remote possibility that you could be sent to face your old team. Uh, have you thought about that? And is it possible that we could see this actually as a schedule, uh, feature. Uh, have you and Greg uh, maybe uh, talked about maybe adding this as a non-conference game uh, Maritime versus Johns Hopkins at some point?
3: <laughs> I'll leave it up to him and Centennial only has one uh, non-conference game so I'll leave that question to Greg that he can uh, deal with that but quite quite honestly and, and, and again this is how I thought know, we've, we've been close here but if we don't focus on each game at, at a time um, you're never going to get there and you can never look back, you know, I wish I would have done this, I wish I would have done this. Our, our our goal every week is to put the best game plan together and and to compete at a high level to try to win football games. And, and, you know, if it does, if we do get awarded the automatic bid and we do make it to the playoffs, we'll play whoever we have and we'll play them as hard as we possibly can with the players that we have. And, and it's something um, anywhere within that 500 mile radius. There are a lot of teams that we can play. Is Hopkins one of them? Sure. You know, it's it's you know that's a good problem to have when you get there, and and the thing about it is you don't have that problem until you actually do get there. So our focus is to do what we can over the next um, you know few weeks to to get into conference play and and hopefully be at a point when we play Alfred State uh, at the end of the year to, to. win that game and potentially go into the playoffs. But if we don't take care of business before that, then then we'll not be awarded that opportunity uh, in November.
0: Well, this could be an interesting season. Say the least, J.B., what are you thinking? I I think so. I mean, you know, they
1: like I said, they've got the gauntlet of the, you know, the maritime teams that start off and you have a two-week, you know, buy period, which is kind of interesting. I know the ECFC in general, uh, with the departure of Huston had to scramble a little bit to schedule games. You guys are actually playing... Uh, Mount St. Joseph's from the HCAC, I think, at the in the last week of the season, which is one of the more uh interesting. Um there's gonna be a bunch yeah. of interesting out of conference uh matchups this season, including that one. Uh but uh how did yeah, Mount St. Joseph's? I mean where the, they're like in
3: uh like Tennessee or something like that. <laughs> I don't even know where those guys yeah, are. Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, it's one of those where you I didn't schedule it. It was already scheduled before I got here. Um as a matter of fact, we played Hampton last year in SES school um, yeah. at home. Um, so it was just, you know, with our with the conferences kind of all coming together and you know, like the Centennial, whenever I played at Franklin and Marshall, uh, we had four non-conference games. Now the Centennial only has one. You know, for the ECSC, um, our conference is very unique that uh, Huston leaving, um, we only have six, but next year Keystone will add in. So that's why we are playing Mount St. Joe's for one for year. Uh, I, I actually have family and was born in Cincinnati. So Mount St. Joseph, I have a little familiarity and I know that they will be a good, good test for us. They're, they're good. They have historically yeah. been a good football. Team. Um, know nothing about them. Yeah. I'll get there when I get there. Um, you know, yeah. but it's something. Where, it uh, kind of
4: <laughs> exactly.
3: Exactly. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's unique in that sense, just with conference realignments and, uh, teams going here or there or whatever it may be. Uh, our conference being unique that it's a football only conference um you know we're not part of of multi-sports with that so um you know we go all the way last year it was to bangor maine to washington dc so the geography was a little bit crazy Um, now we don't have to go quite up to bangor maine but you know still with gallaudet in our conference down to dc and kind of us in the middle and the rest of the teams and you know, Massachusetts and, and, and Vermont. So it's uh, it's a good challenge for me because I have very little familiarity with any of these teams, um, you know, in my time through the playoffs and out of conference games and things like that. So, uh, but that's why you coach. You coach to, to be challenged and continue to be challenged. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And so is the staff and the players and everybody involved in our program. Well, with all due
0: respect to President Trump, not all parts of Baltimore are uh, credit areas, let's say. Uh, Johns Hopkins is a a beautiful place, but you move from one beautiful place to another beautiful place. Uh, The shore uh, view from the football field, as I saw personally last year, is beautiful. It will induce me to come back this season to cover you guys at some point. We'll figure out which game that will be. But, Coach, we want to wish you the best of luck. And, uh, again, welcome to the in-the-huddle official family, uh, while we've branched out, we still are the East Region show, per se. So uh, welcome, good luck, and uh, this is going to be an interesting run uh, in the ECFC. So I have a feeling we're going to have maybe a player or two from your school on uh, throughout the season. hope uh, that
3: we can make that happen at some point. Absolutely, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: What are your takeaways uh, from that interview, uh, JB? Uh, Coach Rearing, for me personally, uh, just seems to exude a certain charisma. He's got the credentials, obviously, for the time he's yeah. put in at uh, Johns Hopkins and learning from Jim Margraf, obviously, along the way. But what are your takeaways?
1: Well, yeah, I think you know he's he's uh, he's put himself in a, in a good position because he's got a, a team that's bringing back a, a number of talented players, um, and so it's not like he's you know going into a situation that's a total rebuild. Um, so he can leverage some of the success that he that he, uh, with the Hopkins program, and uh, you know it's a different different type of setup there, privateers than uh, than it has been some of the other Division Three coaches uh, schools that he's coached at. Uh, but I'm sure that his, you know, his brand of, uh, of coaching, probably still very, you know, disciplinary, maybe even military-esque <laughs> in a way, um, you know, as a defensive guy, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll fit right in uh, to, to the, the- Privateers crew up there.
0: Yeah, SUNY Namir Type is a uh, military uh, type school, state-based uh, uh, military school. Great uh, setting there. Hope to get out there as well this season, as it is close to my New York City home. Um, there in the Bronx, I'm in Manhattan, but it's not that far away. A quick little drive uh, up to there, and a beautiful uh, vista to uh, overlook uh, during the games itself. Yep. First time I got there was last year, believe it or not. So. There you go. Let's go to the yeah. CCC where Husson lands now. They're not in the, obviously the standings that we're going to see here. Western New England is the uh, reigning king of the hill uh, with Salve Regina right behind them. Uh, Endicott, uh, though, I look at the five and ones across the board there uh, in those top. I 10. know, yeah.
1: It's like it's a pretty, pretty close call. You know, it was one of those things where it really came down to a tiebreaker that that helped. Uh, and really it was Salve who, you know, knocked off, I think, Endicott in the last week of the regular season that, that basically. You know, helps the Golden Bears get that that championship um, and and playoff berth. So, with Husson joining the mix, Frank, you know, we could see you know another one-loss uh, conference type of situation or a tiebreaker situation again, because it's just going to be that much more competitive in uh, the CCC this season.
0: Well, interestingly enough, neither of us picked Husson in our projected winner or sleeper. Now, why don't we explain ourselves in that respect here? Uh, is it an up-in-class situation for you, like it was for me, uh, that when they had to play all the teams in the CCC, this is going to be a bigger challenge for Huston to acclimate to? Is it because Gabby Price is no longer there? Is it because they have to switch to quarterback because of graduation of Corey Brandon? Uh, Colin, what is
1: yeah. I think for me, it's, a, it's the departure of Brandon because he has been such an integral part of that program success these last uh, you know, three or four seasons. And so you know you don't necessarily just replace a guy like that i mean i know they have a solid core of, of returning players but they are they are ratcheting up a, a notch as far as competition goes in playing and uh, playing this schedule uh and, and the teams in, in this conference compared to the the ones that they used to face in in the ecfc so there might be a little bit of an adjustment period um i i, I picked western new england to 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 win the conference mostly just based on the combination of i think uh alec coleman uh plus a Certainly and back uh, defensively, uh, that really you know helped them out uh, down the stretch. And they, you know, I give them credit. I mean, they, they did lose in the playoffs, but they they gave Frostburg State a pretty good game. I think a much better game than uh, some people may have thought they would. So uh, I think for now they you know they're they're on top of the hill. But I do like I do like Salve and, and what Coach Gil-, uh, Gil Martin has going on with the with the Seahawks. I think they could play. Uh, they could be. Sort of a, a dark horse or a spoiler, you could so to so to speak. Even though they did finish, you know, seven and four isn't necessarily you know dark horse type material, but I like them, and, and I also actually like Nichols too. I think they've um, they should they could be in the mix a little bit. Uh,
0: I picked Endicott uh, and, uh, my sleeper's Curry. I and my sleeper is Curry. Our notes are wrong, but the screen is correct right now. Curry is uh, my uh, sleeper pick here. And uh, Endicott, just to me, has been one of those teams that has been just gaining steam. Um, what, uh, you know, a coach near and dear to you, uh, who will remain nameless for a moment here, uh, began to build there, has continued with Coach McGonagall. Um, Kevin DeWallis, the uh, coach, in case those are wondering. I, I shouldn't play that game. You're wearing orange. I'm wearing yeah, blue. Nah. So we got Hobart's colors on tonight. Kind of. Well, this is Sunday. red. This is, bucking, this is
1: actually your red. But, you know, it's close. Boy, that's close. orangey on my side. <laughs> I hate to tell you. Um,
0: but. Uh, Coach McGonigal is uh, doing some great things with the foundation that was built there by Coach Stowall. I think he would admit that. Hopefully we have him on the show at some point. We'd love to have him on to discuss the changes he's made, the things he kept. Because there's a lot of both when a new coach comes in. There has to be because you have players carrying over, for goodness sake. So nonetheless, I think that they were almost over the hump last year, and I think they built from there and give Western New England a real challenge and Salve Regina, for that matter. But Curry is that team that for how many years was the king of the hill in New England football, and I just yeah, feel like this is going to be their year to come back. Uh, who's it, Coach Bandini uh, over there? Yeah, uh, is, he knows what it takes to win. I think Curry's going to get behind that football team – on a more administrative end of things uh, this year. So I, I think that the athletics department is probably going to start investing in this thing a little bit more than they have been because they see what's happening around them in this conference and in that region if, or sub-region, yeah. of New England. That's why I have a little bit of confidence right now in Curry coming alive uh, as a sleeper. doesn't mean they'll win, but it means that they'll probably surprise some teams along the way this season. So that's my pick for a sleeper, as you can see. Um, I think the other thing I want to point out here four of the seven teams play uh on Friday night Hussein, uh doesn't yeah, start last, night, big time <laughs> yeah. doesn't start until week two, I believe and so you have four yeah. of uh, the seven teams from last year uh playing on Friday night so they are the highlight of the Friday night uh, conferences uh, this year at least in week one yeah Let's go to Mac, uh, where uh, there is one Friday night game. That's Worcester State at WPI. Um, we have a little bit of disagreement on this one as well, but we'll, let's talk about what happened last year, which was MIT was the king of the hill. Uh, Merchant Marine uh, was surprising a lot of people with that 8-2 and two overall record. Congratulations, Coach Toop yeah. company for that. Springfield, it was a herky-jerky season. Obviously, injuries uh, pl- uh, played a big role in a lot of that. Chad and company yep. last year. Uh, Nick Boehner makes, uh, what was it, first team uh, preseason All-America preseason at 3 footballcom as yeah. center. Mm-hmm. C- come on, exactly. Jamie, let's get a photo photo op with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, and then Coast Guard was right there, too. I mean, so this was a very competitive yeah. conference last year, and so you picked Springfield. Yep. I picked WPI. Uh, let me make my case first because I've been making you go first uh, all the time here. I just think that they have enough coming back to really take the next step this season. And I understand what I think is going to really happen is that MIT Merchant Marine and Springfield and the Coast Guard. There's going to be enough carnage going on at the top of this conference. that WPI WPI may lose one or two games in conference and still be able to sneak in to win the thing. uh, Ultimately, they play hard nose football every week. I just like the way things are lining up for them this season, but there are five teams, honestly, that could win this conference right now. What's your thought uh, on? Why maybe State even
1: well, maybe even six, because all the coaches I talked to and in, uh, in the new Mac all were heaping tons of praise onto the the quarterback wide receiver wide receiver uh, tandem at Norwich. So I think even the cadets are. Are throwing their hats in the room? I did. T- I did talk to Coach C. Rob of WPI. This is the the biggest uh, senior class that they've ever had in their program's history. Um, Fields and uh, their their other running back is back after. So they lost basically like thirteen hundred um, rush reduction last year when when those guys went down. Uh, uh, Sean McAllen, sorry, McAllen and Fields. There okay, we go. Get it. Get it right, Baker. Two uh, thousand. 2000- yard rush of rushing right there was 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 on the uh, you know off the, the sideline so if those guys are back and healthy plus they're you know the the uh, large senior class i think wpi is in, is certainly uh in a prime can prime can condition to uh make a run they just have to get through the first month of their uh season because they've got a really tough schedule um you know they're playing uh i think they're playing rpi they've got the uh, another game, I think in week four, that's against a, a pretty high-ranked high, high team uh, that's escaping me at the moment. But um, if they can get through, uh, we, you know, get to week four, either three and one or even two and two, they'll be in great shape going into conference play.
0: And uh, the sleepers, I mean, we have four different teams across the board here. Out of the six we were just talking about, we picked four of them as projected winners of sleepers here. You say Coast Guard, I say MIT. I think MIT obviously... Uh, calling them a sleeper is a little bit of a joke, I guess, uh, in their heads, uh, because you just any won champions are sleeper. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I, a I think I think the expectations for them are lower this year for some reason, and okay. so I I actually don't buy into that fully. I think they're going to be right at the top with WPI in my estimation. So that's why I call them a sleeper. I, it's it meant no disrespect to MIT for that fact. It's just I just right. don't see people naming them as. The team this year, as much as we thought last year, for instance. And uh, Bubna probably loves that role. He, he probably hates the fact that I'm calling him out as probably a sleeper pick at this point. He wants to sneak up on him and beat yeah. them. But yeah. uh, Coast Guard, My go ahead and make is. your spiel. Yeah, give me your spiel on Coast Guard.
1: Well, I mean, you know, they last last season when I spoke with Coach um uh, the preseason, he was telling me about these, you know, this group of rising. Uh, sophomores that all attended this uh, Navy um, uh, Academy, and so these guys are just a, I think a different level now. The, all those guys are juniors. Um, I mean, we saw with their uh, with their quarterback that we had on the show. I think it was uh, Ryan Murphy um, last Ryan season. He was really Ryan Jones. Um, you know he he was re- he gutted out some real tough games for them, and they're just going to be a real um, they're going to be a really challenging out for pretty much a- anyone that they play. I mean, they, they kind of jump off with, you know, with University of New England uh, in the CCC. So they, they kind of ease into the season, uh, unlike WPI, who has to go, you know, play RPI, Huston and Springfield in, in weeks two through four, um, which is going to be a challenge. But, you know, I think that uh, I think Coast Guard actually could be a, a potential, uh, you know, top pick. So we'll see what happens.
0: Drink from the mug Ryan Murphy doesn't ring as well as drink from the mug Ryan Jones. So okay, yeah. just thinking, yeah, you know. I'm messing up. Uh, Liam
1: Murphy, who's the uh, or Liam Bailey? Know, there's too many, too many Murphys, Baileys. Okay, maybe I. Should, never mind. <laughs> I'll, I'll,
0: I'd rather drink some Baileys at this time of night on a Sunday, but that's a whole other story. Uh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Oh, it's the internet. I can say anything. Uh Okay, Track. Uh Here is a conference that I just, when I sat down to pick this one, I was like, well, who in the hell am I picking for this one? Because this is not an easy conference to pick. A lot of uh, losses no. to graduation, a lot of interesting teams that showed up at the end of the season, especially last year, to make some noise. And so you look at it from... Know the 30,000 foot view, and you say, This is a conference that could go anywhere. Look, Framingham State's been the cream of the crop for a couple of years, although Plymouth State had uh, kind of nudged them a couple of years ago. We know that's the whole story. Western Connecticut had done it two years in a row. Yeah, Western Connecticut, it started out great, had issues at the end of the season that we highlighted here. We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, They lose some to graduation, though, as well. So I'm going to pick West Con, uh, you can see here, uh, after their second place uh, finish last year. I think that adversity tends to bring teams together. I think what happened at the end of last year may actually give them a little bit of a disrespect feeling, uh, enough to come out with a chip on their shoulder to win enough games to win this conference this year. But I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, although th- this is where your hedging has started here, I've noticed, uh, Framingham State... And Bridgewater State, you've picked. You can talk about that in a second. But I wouldn't be surprised if Framingham yeah. State was up there winning it again, even if it was based on an attrition, an attrition scenario where everybody beats each other up so that they were the last man standing at the top at the end of the season. Okay, why are you hedging?
1: Well, because I think you know, a couple times this, the, the, when I went through this process of talking to all these coaches and, and you know, I think tiebreakers are just a fact of life. It's going to be at least a couple of different uh, you know, conferences this year that will come down to having uh, co-champions where the Pool A or automatic qualifier playoff bid is going to be chosen off of some tiebreaker scenario. So um, Bridgewater and, and uh, Framingham were, were sort of like my, my picks. And, and the thing that's interesting is that for the first time in a while, well, Framingham Bridgewater game isn't happening at the top of the schedule. It's happening actually in week ten, and so I think that that's a that's a, a that's sort of a de facto conference championship type of game. Uh, Bridgewater did win um, the MASCAC back in 2006, mm-hmm. and so there's a there's a chance there that um, you know, we could see them you know back in the driver's seat because they are bringing back a pretty loaded team, uh, and they kind of flew under the radar last season, I think, a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be this year.
0: Westfield State was a 500 team last season. You're picking them as a sleeper. I'm picking a team that uh, was above 500 but not by much in Plymouth State last year. Uh, Plymouth State has had the history. That's why I kind of feel like they will still stick around in this uh, whole race. Uh, Why Westfield State? That would surprise some folks well
1: um uh, partially because they beat uh Westcon in uh, week 11 last season they knocked them off and and they you know moved their record up to 500 um, they're going to be taking on a certain college from Schenectady early on in the season and you know if the owls beat union then, then you'll see what you know I have a this team might catch uh may catch some people by surprise we'll see I mean usually my predictions are wrong but hey you know that's why we get to do this <laughs> stuff it's fun
0: Let's go to uh, the Liberty League up next here. And uh, we have some uh, backdrop story to talk about, obviously, uh, connected with this. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll give a little commentary on it as well here. Uh, to, let's get rid of the commentary now and let the season play out, is my view. And Pat Coleman, I think, gave some commentary on it without naming names and pointing fingers. But <laughs> it was clear in the Around the Nation podcast what he was talking about, about the one year of eligibility transfer scenario, et cetera, and how that defeats the purest notion of Division Three. Um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper than that, but not necessarily uh, with a little bit more explanation, a little bit more uh, specificity. Let's say that. First, let's look at this conference. Okay. RPI last year wins it at a 4-1 uh, tie with Ithaca. That, I mean, when you think about it, Ithaca was a kick-slash-two-point conversion uh, attempt away well, from yeah. winning the conference at the end of the day. They could have been the team that was facing mm-hmm. Johns Hopkins, ultimately. Uh, uh, Wahid Nabi, that is uh, their quarterback, was injured Uh, For that game. So it's a backup quarterback in Ithaca, low scoring game, and you know the rest uh, basically. Uh, RPI loses a lot to graduation, no doubt about that. But you are picking RPI slash Ithaca right now. We'll talk about that more in a second. I'm picking Union to actually sneak up and bite teams this year. I know they were picked fourth uh, by the coaches uh, to win the Liberty League. But Mm -hmm. I just feel like, again, this is another scenario where you could have enough attrition at the top of teams beating each other because the Hobart's of the world and the St. Lawrence's of the world especially, I think, are going to have a say here. Uh, St. Lawrence is your sleeper, for instance. Uh, Hobart's my sleeper, uh, which is tough to say when I say Hobart as a sleeper. It's just that's weird to me. Yeah, but after a five and four season, you know they've they've got they've got
1: something to prove this year. Um, so they, they played tough down the stretch. Uh, they they lost to Ithaca and RPI by a touch. Those were very competitive games. They played way better uh, in the second half of the season than what we saw in in week one at Brockport, where they just got you know, manhandled. Um, so I have a feeling that they they're coming into this year feeling that they have something to prove, and um, you know. They very well could, uh, you know. They could, like you said, they they are sort of playing the role of the sleeper or spoiler in certain respects. It certainly won a role that I think is uh, is appropriate for for now.
0: So, let's talk about Ithaca. Uh, and so, we broke the news. And by the way, uh, the studio is going to be uh, changed behind me here a little bit. We got some uh, things from uh, Wesley and from uh, Montclair and from uh, Springfield as well. We'll be thanking folks uh, on Twitter, et cetera, as we get chance. It's been a busy off season, folks. Let me just be clear about that in our, pr- our personal and professional lives. So we are, re- we are building up this uh, studio here. Uh, the- we got the technology down pretty well, though. Uh, forgive us for a little bit of the herky-jerky nature of James's uh, video uh, on this. But uh, we, we kind of know what to do with that. So we'll be working on that for the next show. Uh, Ithaca, Lahit Nabi, Two-year starter, injured last year, didn't know about his injury until uh, later on, basically rib scenario, it sounded like, uh, that didn't expose itself early on. Uh, beats Cortland twice as a starter uh, in Cortica, as a freshman and a sophomore, and gets displaced, it looks like for now, by Joe Germanario, who came in from Brockport. Now, that in and of itself, we reported on this, was a surprising scenario to some, I'm going to tell you, without speaking specifics, I think it was to a degree premeditated that once he graduated from Brockport, which he did in June or uh, May, whatever their cycle is there, uh, he decided to transfer. Uh, it, it, it's not what I would call the smartest of scenarios in life because he was going to be a Hall of Famer at Brockport, hands down. Uh, if he wanted to go on a professional level, to me... They would have found him at Brockport to go lateral at the end of the day to another Division three program. I'm not sure there was aspirations. Actually, I think there were aspirations. I should say it like that. To go to a higher division for him, but he didn't go to higher division. And he goes lateral to a school elsewhere in New York in Division three, Different conference, obviously, Liberty League, although Ithaca plays a fair number of Empire eight teams. And it's just, it confounds me to a certain degree that we're doing this. Um, we sort of led the way on the whole luke Porman story last year uh and he had two years of eligibility left was not a starter at mount union except for the one playoff game uh that we remember back when and just it it sort of confounds you that people will try to compare the two situations it's not the same it is not the same and i agree with pat that there is a purist notion here that's missing in this whole situation in division three if you're looking to go to the pros in Division three, you're probably in the wrong business. Now we all want to see folks go to the pros in Division three. kudos to uh, Joe Callahan who's still uh, you know alive and well in some format it looks like uh, in the, the NFL uh, although you know he's been signed by teams, dropped by teams along the way but he's still getting chances it looks like but they'll find you if you're that good. They will in Brockport in Ithaca at, uh, any location. I just don't agree with this move. And to displace Nobby uh, in this situation, I, I, I can't say to Coach Swanstrom in any way, shape, or form, JB, that this was a great call. Now, it looks like from our information that we've received that he is playing with the ones, as they say, in the preseason. So he's getting the starter <laughs> snaps. Um, let's talk about Joe, though, generally. Uh, his numbers were good last year, um, and the t- plus-minus touchdown-interception ratio was better last year than the previous year, but his yards per game went yep. down. Um, but the RPI game just stands out to me still as a game that he just didn't look like himself. Uh, we heard about dissension in the ranks after that game, and we all know <laughs> that had something to do with him wanting to get out of there. But is he... Durable enough to make this season a winning, uh, you know, above winning season because Ithaca was eight and three last year, four and one in the conference. Uh, a, a team that's mm-hmm. going to win the Liberty League on his shoulders, especially with an offensive line that's not used to his playing style. What is your take here on what he adds or doesn't add to Ithaca ultimately if he is the starter?
1: I think he he adds a lot of um, versatility. I mean, we've we've seen him in. He can plays with his arm and his feet. He's, he's very athletic, um, very strong arm, very accurate. Um, so I think, you know, he brings that, that you know, dimension and he's a proven winner. I mean, you, know, you look at the last two seasons with Brockport and it kind of speaks for itself. I think they're like 24 and two or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I had a chance to, to uh, as part of a um, article uh, talk with uh, some folks and, in the German aerial camp, I talked with um, you know some folks in the Brockport camp, and you know it, it's like any kind of uh, you know, s- separation. Um, you know, there's two sides of the, two sides of the story, uh, and I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Joe and his fat family have just felt that um, that Ithaca was the, the right fit for, for him. Um, you know, given that the Division one or you know FCS uh, type of opportunities just didn't really come through. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, he has an opportunity. Um, if he, uh, you know, there's, there's always a risk of injury in football, but you know, if he stays healthy, uh, he can play his uh, second-to-last career game in his hometown against RPI for potentially a conference championship. And then the next week, he gets to play at Giant Stadium in front of the biggest crowd in Division III football history. So, you know, if you're gonna, if you're Go out, you know, that's that's a pretty nice way to, to wrap it up. I mean, the only thing that I think that would beat that, Frank, would be if Luke Forman beat Mount Union for the national championship in, in December. But that's a whole other story you'll have to see.
0: <laughs> we'll have an interview with uh, Coach Fredenberg, actually, uh, either later in the week or next week, we're going to be bringing to you. Uh, we showed a preview on Twitter. Uh, so uh, we'll talk Mary Hart and Baylor football on another day. Uh, we're, we'll talk Ithaca football right now and just say that this is interesting. Wahid Navi, I've gotten to sit down with before. Uh, I find him to be yeah. a very positive, adult, charismatic guy that's got his head in the right place about what football is and isn't in his uh, life, ultimately. And it's something he loves, mm-hmm. but also he realizes professional life will dictate eventually once it's going to finance. And I think yeah. he's got the stuff to make it happen, uh, ultimately. Um, yeah. I just I've been impressed by the way he's handled this. Uh, from minute one, I, I guess I accidentally may have broken the news to him uh, or give, gave him the indication of what was happening back when. I didn't uh, intend to do that. I, I thought it was uh, more widely known at that point. So I apologize to the powers that be at uh, Ithaca, et cetera, yep. that If that played out that way, that was not the intention. Uh, this was yeah. told to us by multiple sources at that point, And so we're not sure why it was a surprise the way it was. But it is what it is. Um uh, We'll see where this goes. We want to see everybody end up in the best possible scenario. Uh, Nobby, Germanario, and Jason Helwig. Let's go over to the next uh, conference at this point, the Empire 8. Helwig is going to be the starter for Brockport against Hobart, and uh, obviously defending an 11-1 overall record, 7-0 conference record last year. Buffalo State leaves this conference uh, this year, remember, and goes to the Liberty League, as uh, you saw on the bottom of the screen in the last two. Uh, We both project Brockport to be the winner and Utica to be a sleeper. We'll talk about Utica more in a minute. But Jason Helwig steps into a role that he's been looking for since transferring from Pace. And let's hear from himself right now about what to look forward to this season. Jason Helwig, uh, welcome to In the Huddle. And uh, congratulations on being named starter for the Hobart game coming up this Saturday.
2: Thank you. and It's great to be here. Uh, pretty proud to be on the first
0: episode. Hey, uh, you know what? This is uh, rarefied air. Uh, only the best of the best to uh, appear on this. Uh, Tom Brady wasn't available, so we picked you instead. <laughs> so uh, I right. we, we do want to talk about, though, what uh, the preseason is like. There were obviously changes, a lot of graduations, a couple of things that weren't graduations that occurred along the way, uh, and obviously, This is a role that you've wanted uh, since you transferred in from Pace. We'll talk about that in a second. But how has it felt getting kind of matured into this role as starter, leader of the offense, whatever you want to call it, and how's it been going in the preseason? It's been going great.
2: You know, we've had a lot of guys step up, whether it's on offense or defense. You know, we lost a lot of guys on the defensive line and we lost a bunch of guys on the offensive line. So there was a bunch of our leadership right there and then in the defensive secondary as well. But the new guys have really stepped up, and we've really focused on bringing great effort every single day in practice this year. Um, a lot like the 2017 season, where we were went deep into the playoffs. We came focused almost every day, and we're trying to match that again this season, 2019.
1: Yeah, tell us a little bit about what you know what the ride has been like. I mean, because you guys have uh, obviously you're the the highest ranked team in the East region. Um, he advanced to the uh, national semifinals uh, two years ago. And I mean, it just seems like there's been this upward trajectory, you know, brand new locker rooms. I saw the social media. You guys are you're like Oregon now. You got like the black uniforms. You got the yellow. You got the green. You got the white. I mean, you're all you guys are all decked out. I imagine there's a lot of uh, energy and excitement. I mean, you can't necessarily rest on the on the past, but there's there's a lot of good momentum, I think, that you guys have. Isn't that right? Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely
2: a lot different around campus. You know, now when I first came here, everyone wasn't as high on the football team as they are now. But I remember one of the first things Coach Mangoni was saying to me when he was recruiting me was, we're going to turn this place into a national power at the D3 level. And he laid it out and then it kind of all fell into fruition here. And now everyone's here on board. The whole campus is on board. The alumni are on board, everything like that.
0: Well, one thing, uh, you're talking about the recruitment. Uh, let's talk about uh, your road to Brockport overall. Uh, Pace was the original school, uh, so you went downstate. You were uh, nearby from uh, Medina, uh, Medina, Medina, Medina. Which is it, guys? Uh, you know better than I do, I think, both of you. Medina, Medina, Medina New York, and Medina, Ohio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm right in both counts or wrong in both counts. Depends on how you're yeah, looking yeah. at it. Tomato, tomato, Frank. That's the way it goes. We
1: won't pretty call pretty much thing up, off, up, off, don't, don't worry. Up, right.
0: Yeah. So, you know what? What led you? Uh, I, for folks that don't know, you are, I believe, a pitcher for uh, Brockport's baseball team. So, baseball is a passion for you as well. Uh, was Pace a baseball move, uh, football move? Both kind of lead us through your early career and what got you over to Brockport.
2: Pace was definitely a football move. Um, I coming out of high school, I had, I think, three Division II schools that uh, offered me scholarship money for football and pace had put together the best the best package for that so i was ended up going on full tuition so that i was pretty excited and as a little kid i always wanted to go somewhere and say oh i want to play football for college and they paid for my schooling so that was one of the main reasons i went there and then in high school coach mangoni had recruited me hard and when i left pace he was one of the first people to reach out to me and contacted me and then that's kind of how i ended up at brockport and then once i was here the baseball coach asked hey uh, you want to pitch on the baseball team for us? And I said, sure, why not? So I kind of ended up on the baseball team as well. But definitely, I think most people around here know that football has been like my main passion, and baseball kind of just like playing the game.
1: Another one of those hashtag YD3 moments, Frank. You can you can double down in, in athletics uh, at the Division three level, not quite like you can elsewhere. So, so, Jason, uh, you know, obviously, like um, you, know, you said, some new faces, um, you know, coming into the program, either through, uh, you know, recruiting or elsewhere. I mean, with a, with about a week until your first game, I imagine you guys have probably done some inner squad scrimmaging. Is there any, um, you know, scrimmages scheduled against uh, some other teams either in your area or is it just basically you guys are going into uh, week one mode uh, right after the Labor Day holiday?
2: Yeah, we're definitely going into Week One mode right after the Labor Day holiday. We started, uh, we just started working our scout stuff yesterday for our first game. Before that, we had been all, you know, inter squad team against team, trying to really solidify spots for guys. And now we're headed into full fledged Hobart mode, and it's Hobart week here already. So that's how we're going about it.
0: It's got yeah. a nice ring to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beat them, damn statesmen. I mean, I, I, good luck to all the players out of that day. Um, sorry, JB. Uh, so, Jason, what is the view this year? I mean, you've had two undefeated regular seasons. Um, you had teams like Cortland last year that were kind of right on the doorstep of possibly uh, knocking off that pedestal. Uh, they are salivating at the chance again this season, acting like nothing has really changed if Brockport's still the king of the hill. Uh, is a 10-0 and season how we're going to measure success? Is it something else? What to you, especially right now, is a successful 2019 campaign?
2: I think our, our first goal, first and foremost, is to win the Empire 8. And secondly, we want to make a deep run in the playoffs. I think last year we fell into a bit of complacency as a team um, around the board. And that's kind of what led to some of those games being closer. We didn't play we didn't play up to our potential uh, a few times last year. Luckily, we managed to come away with undefeated regular season and then get to the playoffs and win win one game before bowing out. But I think our ultimate goal is always win the Empire 8 and then make a deep run in the playoffs.
0: Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders, obviously. uh, And uh, losing Caleb Fidelis uh, on the offensive line doesn't make your life any easier. But uh, what kind of style should we expect from you compared to maybe – Quarterbacks of Rockport pass uh, that uh, you know might differentiate you a little bit. What what should people expect from a Jason Helwig uh, pocket scenario uh, compared to what we've seen?
2: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I really view myself as a distributor of the ball to guys who are great athletes. So the quicker I can get the ball out of my hands to guys that run four fours, the better. The more success we're gonna have. I mean. I consider myself to be pretty athletic, but I can't match what we got on the outside and in the backfield. So the, we're better off with the ball in their hands, and they got great moves, and they're very talented athletes. So that's that's how we're looking to get it done.
0: JB, uh, I think well, you that- ran a 4-4 uh, in a 10-meter dash recently, right? Something like that, yeah. I think I was 4-4 about uh, a year and a half ago. but.
1: Um, Jason, and one of the quarterback's best friends is, is a strong running game. Um, and I know that uh, Justin Morrison was lost to the season last year with a knee injury, and that was definitely a, a tough, uh, a tough loss because of his his talent. Another um, you know, Division II upper division transfer into the school who's had a lot of success for the Golden Eagles over his career is uh, is is he doing well? Is he is he back? I imagine you're you're going to probably be trying to hand the ball off to him when you're not looking for those uh, you know, 4-4 receivers like Ortiz or others out there. Yeah, and the first
2: time I saw uh, Justin working out after coming back from his, his surgery on his knee, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the guy was in there deadlifting about 500 pounds, and then we get here the first day of camp, and we're running 5-10-5s uh, five and L drills, and he's got the top numbers on the team. So he was apparently is right back where he left off, and he's looked very good in practice along with our other running backs, uh, Jale and Samborski. So I think we're going to have three guys who are pretty all experienced and talented running backs back there.
1: As far as the defense goes, I mean, obviously you guys have lost a lot to graduation there. I know Coach Fox has done an excellent job, um, you know, building that unit up. And for you, imagine you you practiced against, um, you know, all Americans now for what, two, three years in a row on a regular basis. So uh, maybe maybe your toughest games are the ones that you actually have in practice. But tell us a little bit about some of these uh, these other guys on the defense who are stepping into some new roles. I mean, we know about Alex West, you know, making some preseason all-American um, you know, uh, teams and things like that. But are there other uh, Brockport defensive players that may not be as well known now, but you think will be kind of more of a household name for D3 fans in a couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, I think one of the other obvious ones, Jenkins. Uh, he played a lot last year. I don't know if he got quite the recognition that West got, but he's also very talented off the edge of playing outside linebacker. And then another kid to look out for is Ben Marshall. He stepped in when Jake O'Connell got hurt last year and he plays safety for us. And then we're rocking a bunch of new corners this year. All guys with a lot of talent. Uh, we got Josh Donaldson, transferred from Alvernia. Um, Raylan from uh, Nyack High School. He played quarterback down there. He's extremely fast. And then uh, Bryce Sudzik from Springville High School. He's also pretty good at and He's a veteran guy. So he's this is his fourth year on the team. And He was one of those guys who was getting a lot of two reps, a lot of scout reps the past couple of years. But I think he's ready to step in and make some plays for us.
0: Now, we're going to show it on the screen. Uh, I I don't have it uh, handy for you, but I think you know what I'm uh, arriving at already uh, before I even say it. But um, I believe uh, the young lady's name was Candice Kowalik, uh, who taught you – some gymnastics uh, recently. Uh, I think this was uh, debuted in May 14th, my sister's birthday of 2018. Um, and nice. uh, the photo that we're showing is uh, you in a very svelte, uh leotard of some sort uh, for gymnastics. Uh, you that did a web ju- series or? for Brockport, for those nice. that don't know. We dared you to wear that leotard for today's uh, interview, <laughs> perhaps under the long sleeve shirt there that uh, it's somewhere hiding, I don't know. but. Um, you know you're you're no stranger to the camera. You you are very self-deprecating uh, with that former quarterback. You did some funny stuff uh, on some of the uh, Brockport uh, social media video stuff, whatnot. Uh, you know you have a good sense of humor. Is that one of the things you add? And tell us about how you you ended up in that leotard for Christ's sake.
2: So <laughs> they decided they needed someone who could go on camera and play a bunch of different sports and challenge athletes and interview them in their own sport so i went through softball men's soccer volleyball women's basketball gymnastics everything like that football so we did all that stuff and it's a little bit to get our brand out there for all the sports uh it's brockport athletics we want people to know more about the athlete and have a good time watching the videos so that was something that they decided people would like and then i always ended up in a uniform whether it was a basketball uniform or Soccer or something like that. So when it came time for me to put the leotard on, it just it just so happened to be that yeah. man, you know, I wasn't there. Scared. Go. And they actually, last year, they actually ended up winning the national championship. Uh, the gymnastics team from
0: our so Did
2: I you maybe them, that was know that? take credit you putting the leotard on? And, and that girl won the all-around national championship for individual. Oh, she was very so, good. Wow. Uh,
0: she, she looked good yeah. in the leotard, and she was very good both. Okay, uh, you on the, you the other happy. hand.
1: <laughs> well I don't know Frank, I mean I know Jason's a sports management uh major, but maybe a career in Hollywood could be in the offering here. He seems like a pretty, you know, he's got the got the comedian thing down. He's not afraid to you know get dressed up and do some acting. So hey, you never know.
2: If they're looking for someone who's willing to do anything on the camera then that that maybe maybe I'll have a role there. So if it's Jason's
0: yeah, well, if it calls, we're all in trouble if that's what they're looking for. Uh, I've got two things for you uh, before we end this. Um, first, uh, let's ask you to – I'm going to do this order. I, I've been uh, flipping it back and forth in my head here. But uh, there are a lot of people that don't know you, uh, that you know, love Brockport and just don't get to the school or aren't as close to the team out there. They see a little bit of upheaval in the quarterback ranks. Obviously, uh, we're not going to get into that per se, but we can't ignore the fact that things have happened. But here's your 30-second, what do they call it, sales uh, pitch, uh, I guess, to uh, folks to kind of introduce yourself and give them the confidence uh, that you are the man for this job at the end of the day. Jason Helwick, tell folks about yourself and why Brockport is a success under you this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing foremost is I have a very close relationship with all the receivers. And they guys who want to fight for you are guys who are going to make plays for you. So I think that's very important for this team. And I think that the same thing with the offensive line, guys who want to protect you are going to protect you better than people who don't care for you as a person. So I think that's one thing that will help us and. We're looking to get out there and make some plays, and I've been waiting for this moment for my four years here at Brockport, so take advantage of it.
0: Six-foot-four, he's no short uh, guy in the pocket, and uh, he's going to see down that field for sure, folks. So uh, he's got a very good chance to continue the winning traditions here for Brockport. Uh, The other thing is, as one of our first player guests of the season, obviously, for In the Huddle, you get shout-outs. And I know there's a bunch of Hellwigs out there somewhere on the Twitterverse, Uh, that we've run into accidentally or on purpose along the way. Uh, So we may hear some of those names right now, but uh, the floor is yours, Jason Helwick. to any uh, teammates, friends, family, uh, coaches, Steve Potter, anybody you want to uh, name here, uh, feel free for shout outs.
2: I'm going to shout out first, I'm going to shout out um, Coach Mangoni and Steve Potter. And then I'm going to shout out Susan Hoffman, who works in the athletic department at Brockport, making everything go. And then I'm going to shout out my parents, um, Eric and Sandy, my brother Adam, and my adopted brother Jalen Cooper, who plays for Toledo. And they got a big game against Kentucky coming up. And then uh, I'm going to shout out my receivers, all of them, uh, Hub, Benson, Jojo, Emetup in in, coming in from JUCO, and Derek Chance. And then definitely shout out my old line, too. Those guys protecting me. need them big. And, and got to love the defense, too, that keeps the points per game down. So...
0: Makes life a lot easier on you. Right. Uh, as a baseball player, you've appreciated uh, the good defensive uh, life That's as exterior. well. Uh, All hey, right. Well, one wait, last wait, question. wait, Frank. Before oh, we. Re- to, no, wait,
1: wait. We got. This is important. This is important because viewers need to know this. Now, Jason, the Brockport O line, are they are they pizza guys? Are they wing guys? I mean, you're in upstate New York. You're not that far from Buffalo, the Buffalo wing capital of, of the United States. Like, if you're if you going to take your guys out for, you know, dinner or lunch or something what are they chowing down and and and, uh can you can you hang with them or they they just eat uh, out eat you
2: that that's actually one thing that i'm pretty good at is eating so even for my senior year i went with the unlimited meal plan at the dining hall and uh the guys on the offensive line they got a they got a soft spot for taco bell for the five dollar box so that is usually if i'm taking them that's the go-to taco bell they love that stuff (laughs)
0: <laughs> Wahid Nabi uh, had to pay up pretty high compared to you. If it's $5 box uh, you've got to yeah, pay Yeah, right. Out no for. kidding. This
1: guy's smart. Maybe he's a business management guy.
0: <laughs> Fat, Fat Jacks is a little more expensive than that, although I think it's gone uh, now down in the Ithaca area, so don't uh, no worry about that. Yeah, they got a little, the
2: cost of living yeah. down there is a little higher than up here in Brockway, so, <laughs> yeah.
0: J- Jason, my last question for you. You know, there there was a little bit of dissension toward me on Twitter, et cetera, uh, last year toward the end of the regular season for things I may or may not have said online, et cetera. Uh, Am I allowed back in the Brockport area or will I be escorted by authorities if I try to get toward campus?
2: (laughs) You're allowed back. You're allowed back for the Brockport area as long as you're cheering for us. So that's the most important thing I can't cheer.
0: I can't cheer. You know that.
1: Well, the only way I'm going back to Brockport is if I bring a lot of sunscreen. Because, man, I got fried at that game last year in week one, man. I just brought the Florida weather up with me. I don't know what happened. (laughs) We've been blessed with
2: some good weather here recently. So hopefully that continues again this year.
0: Okay, so we'll discuss my allowance back into the uh, Brockport area uh, uh, offline a little bit more, but uh, <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we knew this would be a good one because we have seen uh, your personality come out in a lot of different ways throughout the last uh, few years. And uh, if uh, I do say it here, uh, folks uh, you know, they might not believe me or might not want to take me seriously, but I've always thought that you've had the ability to do this job. Uh, you had somebody in front of you that was extremely good, uh, but... You're, you're the man for this job in a lot of different ways, as you said a little bit ago. So good luck to you, and we'll see how the season goes, and stay in touch.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it, and we're looking to keep things rolling.
0: Okay, JB, uh, had a lot of fun with Helwig there, and yeah. uh, he, he seems Great to guy. be somebody that's humble, but at the same time uh, can be a larger Pretty luck confident. character. Yeah, confident in that respect. Yes. Yep. But uh, when it comes to football, What's your concerns and what's your expectations right now for him?
1: Well, um, so this won't be the first time that he started um, a, a, a game because he did uh, sub in for Joe uh, back in 2007 uh, when they had to play St. Lawrence. And, you know, they won the game. It was a 28-7 to final. Um, so I think we're probably not going to see Brockport, you know, putting up, 50, 60 points. Um, you know, although he does definitely have a, you know, talented set of receivers and uh, strong, um, you know, running back core to, to lean on. I think, you know, I, I like the way he put it. He sort of, you know, he's just there to, you know, kind of distribute the ball to guys who can make plays. And so I think you'll see, I don't think he's going to be like a game manager uh, type of quarterback, but I think he's going to be, um, you know, maybe one of those sort of West Coast offense types that just you know, gets the ball out uh, quickly. He makes uh, makes quick decisions and, um, you know, probably leans on his running game. And, you know, uh, they may have to score a few more points here and there because their defense has turned over uh, a decent amount. But uh, I'm sure a lot of those guys backing up all those All-Americans and all-regional players are pretty good ones too. So Rockport's had a good run, and I'm sure the recruiting uh, and everything has paid off for them because of that too.
0: Feels like we made Utica a sleeper a couple times uh, in the last uh, couple of years, and uh, why not do it again, right? They, they gave Brockport
1: a good run for their money at the end of last season, and uh, you know with the with the young quarterback and um, there's a Peyton uh, Miller. There's that yep. we had on. Uh, last? Yep. Yeah. So uh, you know the Utica dudes. You know the Utica guys. You know they just they just have this uh, they have this confidence and swagger. Um, Coach, I built a solid program there. And uh, you know, seven and four last season. They they kind of you could say upset Ithaca in a, a crazy shootout game in the ECAC Bowl. Um, and so they've got a lot of momentum, a lot of guys
0: coming back. And so I think that yeah,
1: and, uh, they can definitely make some waves.
0: So the Empire is going to be an interesting one. Uh, we put a poll uh, up uh, for you folks, and uh, we only had four choices we could give you uh, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's fitting. And 54% as of our recording, we'll put up the updated results uh, right now, so maybe slightly different, but it looked like a majority. uh, Yeah, they picked uh, Brockport uh, to win uh, the conference. And, uh, you know, we gave Alfred and Cortland as the viable second choices uh, on it, and they both only uh, pulled around 10 to 15%. And then uh, the field basically got the remainder, uh, the remaining four teams Mm -hmm. uh, in the conference. So. It's still Brockport's conference to lose, according to uh, the fans out there. Almost 100 uh, votes, yeah. I think it was, give or take. Oh, so, wow.
2: Okay.
0: I mean, that's a pretty good sample size uh, to say that a lot of Brockport momentum out there uh, is still. And uh, we'll see who can knock them off. And I know Co- Coach Mangoni probably hates that fact because, you know, he, there's no secret anymore. It's I think it's a lot easier to play from behind in uh, terms of the – Notice uh, column than it is to have to sit up there and basically keep defending yourself. We saw a lot of that in 2018, yep. for sure, for them. We'll see where it goes. Yep. And Jack time. Uh, we lose Frostburg State. We lose Southern Virginia. Uh, Frostburg State had won that uh, conference, like Husson did the CFC last year, and we will no longer be defending that. So, <coughs> my Clara Salisbury, Christopher Newport, Wesley Rowan seem to be the teams to look at here. Um, We'll talk more about that uh, Christopher Newport game against North Central that's coming up uh, this weekend, and whether or not that gets played is a question. Uh, But you pick Wesley slash Montclair. I pick Montclair. They're playing the Wesley-Montclair game at Montclair again this year. That was a game that I attended two years ago that went down to the fourth quarter before it got put away. It looks to me like Montclair has really built themselves up even since that point. Wesley's kind of still trying to figure themselves out, especially after Coach Stras's uh, death. Uh, what last May? Uh, you know, almost a year and a half ago mm-hmm. now, but it seems like yesterday. That's amazing; yeah. it's been that long. But yeah, you know, w- your thought is that they'll probably tie. Is what uh, the slash means here? And w- where yeah, are you I a, yeah, I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be a
1: situation where you're going to see, you know. Someone's going to beat Wesley. Uh, someone's going to beat Montclair, but there might not be one of the other. You know, Christopher Newport is is coming back with a very strong team, um, and so is Salisbury. So there there's a lot of potential for carnage <laughs> in the top four or five uh, you know teams here, um, especially you know with. Uh, you know, all the talent that, that Wesley is bringing back to the fore defensively. Um, sounds like the the quarterback situation that they have uh, there is is, is starting to, to look pretty good for them. Um, I know uh, uh, Burroughs struggled a little bit with turnovers last season, and I think that 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 hurt them a few times. They didn't really have a kicking game. They seem to have addressed that. When I talked to Coach Knapp uh, in the offseason, he seemed really confident um, of their chances and, and – uh, you know, he was even to the point where I think, you know, I was I was trying to sell him on, well, you know, what do you think of, you know, Jaquil Burch's potential, you know, offensive player of the year? And he was like, he didn't do that well against us. So, you know, I was like, okay, this guy is like, he's locked in and he, you know, he he thinks and he really, you know, feels that they are, even though they struggled last year, you know, it's record-wise. I mean, you lose four games by a combined, what is it, five points it could have very easily been a 10 and 0 season um, but he's uh he's feeling it and I think I think the Wolverines feel like they have something to prove and, and will probably be a tough out
0: weren't even in the top 25 uh, in uh, the d3football.com poll I believe which is uh, probably, <laughs> yeah yeah which is probably a definite wake up call to his team that they're not getting the respect they feel they deserve despite what happened last year that you know everybody has an off year yeah. and they still have clout and still have the athletes and whatnot Yeah, they didn't make it into there. They were on my ballot, but, you know, one ballot does not make a poll at the end of the day. Oh, you're losing your earpiece, sir, (laughs) JB? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that was Coach Knapp smacking me upside the head (laughs) in Delaware saying, shut
0: up, Baker. Uh, Sleepers Salisbury and Rowan, uh, for you and me, respectively, uh, two teams that will have a role, I think, in this conference uh, race. Rowan uh, definitely... Uh, put themselves forward in that Wesley game last year to really, I, I think, slam the door on them at that point. Salisbury, a, a team as well that just keeps hanging around, and we'll see what happens there. I got to see them last year. Got to keep their quarterbacks healthy. That Again, in that triple option yep. scheme, that it's can really determine it. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Let's go to the Mac in our final interview coming up here. Uh, this is uh, what I would call – a conference that has to define itself this year. Uh, this is a conference yeah. that had some trouble last year. We, we heard that the Misericordia scrimmage uh, didn't go tremendously for Misericordia this year. So the second-place team is going to have to bounce back here and prove themselves as really the real deal. I, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. saw a lot of those close games, those cardiac finishes last year, and don't give them the credit <laughs> Yet, and I might be one of them. I, I don't know if I really give them the credit as being that team, the heir apparent right now, of the MAC. Delaware Valley loses yeah. uh, players of graduation, obviously a lot, a lot. but uh, they yeah. they pack they pack them back in. It seems like every year, Del Val's is always up there, yeah. and because there's a lot of confusion near the top, uh, you know, the FDU Florums of the world, Misericordias of the world, are up there. Wilson, these are not teams that you're used yeah. to seeing. You're used to seeing Widener. And Albright at the top with DelVal. That didn't happen last year. Albright goes back to Mary Harden-Baylor in week two. Uh, It should be an interesting uh, thing to see if they can bounce back from 91 to 7. We'll talk to Coach Fredenberg about that. Again, later in the week, we'll show that. But Widener. A team with a lot of dissension coming into this season. They're your sleeper. After talking to James Gillespie, should be my sleeper, too, I would say. But we wrote this up beforehand, and I will stick with who we had. I have Lycoming based on uh, some of their uh, freshman and sophomore leadership last year. I think they can actually keep climbing the mountain here. But Widener uh, as your sleeper. Let's uh, talk to James Gillespie first, and then we'll talk about a little bit more why. JB, here is James Gillespie, wide receiver, senior from Widener. And James, why don't start kind of? I I'd rather look at the past right off the bat and then go to the future because that's where we should be looking and putting our concentration. Right. Sure. So I, I kind of want to ask you about last season. Um, we, we talked to your current coach uh, about you know uh, talking about this, and he said we got nothing to hide here. So last year was not exactly what I would call rainbows and you know uh, lollipops at, at Widener because of some – it looked like dissension inside the program. You start 0-3, the whole blame Google situation comes out for Coach Kelly and whatnot, and we were getting some stuff on our social media uh, that would suggest that things weren't a happy uh, place at Widener. You, know, you still pull out what I believe was a 4-6 record overall. Take us through last season and then compare it to how this season is feeling right now under our new coaching staff at Widener.
4: Well, I think it all just starts with, you know, like team camaraderie. Um, last season, we didn't have the best team camaraderie, you know, just offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, and that was it, you know. Um, and then, of course, there were like some internal controls, you know, situation. Um, we had problems with that with uh, starting from, you know, I felt like it was the top down, so, um, I mean, I'm, you, we, our record showed um, of how we did last season, four and six. You know, it wasn't what we were expecting. We were expecting to come in, you know, play for a MAC championship, which we do every year. You know, that's what we always expect. But, um, yeah, we just didn't get the job done last year. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, you know, we can't blame the coaches. We can't blame the players. It's just as a collective group, we didn't come together and we didn't get the job done. So um, that's about it.
0: How does it feel uh, this year, comparative?
4: Um, This year is completely different. You know, a whole new coaching staff, and um, that during spring ball when we you know found out Coach B was uh, the head coach and he started bringing in staff, um, it kind of gave us you know a purpose to rally around each other and rally around these new coaches, Um, and it just brought us all together. You know, it was no more offense, defensive side of the ball. We were all one team. We're all one collective unit. so that was, that was the big kicker for me. That's what I noticed right away. Um, just the excitement, um, everyone was, you know, really excited to get back to the season because of how disappointing last season was. Um, we didn't, you know, especially as seniors, we didn't want to, you know, leave our mark as, you know, the, the Widener team to go four and six, and six and four the past couple of seasons. Because even for us that we didn't, we didn't think that was the best we could do. Um, We want to be, you know, 10 and 0, we want to be top tier, we want to be, you know, recommended for, you know, the NCAA playoffs every year, we want to be top 25. So, um, yeah, that's team camaraderie.
1: So you mentioned, uh, you, I think you guys call him Coach B. Um, he, he was kind of an internal hire and in that he'd been your offensive coordinator for a couple of seasons, so there was some familiarity there. But he did come to you guys from uh, the University of Mary hardin Baylor, which has some experience winning some championship rings, which you yeah. mentioned. And so, so, so tell us a little bit about you know, what it's like to, you know, to have a head coach who's, who's been to the pinnacle and, and, and what that sort of brings to the table as you guys you know, get ready for your new season.
4: Well, me and Coach have always been, you know, close since he came in. Me and him went to the same high school. Um, he told me about his uh days at Del Valle too. Um just being a relatable D three player, really, you know, touched home to us. Um and then like you said about the Mary Hart and Baylor, how they came from a winning program, that's everything. I mean, he he brought to the table at Widener, you know, everything he knew, everything he learned there. Um and it's it's really helped us in a way because, you know, we kind of have that to leverage, you know. You know, Coach B has been there, You know, so he, he knows what he's doing. He, he's going to handle this the right way. He's going to tighten up our ship.
0: Last season for you, uh, after uh, starting, I think, 11 games in 2017, you only started in four games, but still were uh, the number three receiver uh, on the charts for Widener. Uh, take us through your 2018 season. Uh, were there injuries uh, happening? What, what was going on for you? And what should we expect from you in 2019?
4: Well, I had a pretty good uh, 2017 season as a sophomore. I wasn't really expecting it, but um, I I got a lot of confidence out of that year. And last year coming in, you know, I I wanted to be the best. Um, Fortunately, I got hurt in the fourth game uh, against Albright. Uh, I broke my collarbone, um, surgery and everything uh, put me out for the season. And it kind of just I looked at football in a whole new perspective. you know, you got to play every play like it's your last. Because um, I honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to return this season with the injury. But uh, luckily, I, I got good trainers. I got a good surgeon. Um, I did the rehab and now I'm healthy. Um, I, I think you'll expect a lot from me, or I expect myself uh, to do a lot this year. Um, I'm just really excited for the season. Um, back in spring ball, the first time I caught a pass, you know, just. I missed it, you know, and uh, camp this year. First time I put the pads back on, I was little, I was a little antsy at first, you know. Just wanted to get back out there. Um, We just had our scrimmage against Salisbury yesterday. Um, That was the first time I was really able to strap them up and hit other people, another color, Um, and I just, you know, I was, I was really excited, and I think you'll expect a lot from me this season.
1: One of the most exciting Week One games, if uh, not all the games from, that I saw last year, was when you guys uh, played a Rowan, which has been a, a long time interconference rival uh, for Widener over the seasons. I mean, the nice thing about the MAC is you guys got a full slate of of, uh, of teams to play in in conference, but uh, you know, you and the Pros have, have have had some pretty memorable uh, matchups over the years. Um, Tell us a little bit, as we start to you know pivot towards uh, towards that game coming up on Saturday night, uh, what we can expect if it's going it to be another uh you know thirty nine to thirty eight barn burner or whatever it was, or is it going to be <laughs> maybe a little bit of a different type of game this season
4: yeah well I mean I've been here for four years now,'ve played them three times, and i haven't beat them yet, so it's become more of a personal thing for me i need I need to get a win from these guys um. But, yeah, I mean, I think it will be a great game, um, like it always is. Um, Rowan always uh, gives us their their best matchup, their best uh, game, and uh, I think we do the same. So I think it will turn out to be a great one.
0: You've been around for long enough. Uh, The MAC has uh, gone through some interesting changes uh, over the last few years. And last year, a lot of people said the conference was down as a whole. uh, And a team like Misericordia – Uh, was rising toward the top was some sort of evidence of that for a lot of people. And Albright having the season they had and Widener even having the season they had was proof further for that idea. What do you think really is going on in the MAC? Is it down or is it just something where the teams are transitioning, but it's still uh, an elite conference in the East and in the country at this point? Give us your kind of 30,000-foot view since you actually play in the darn conference.
4: Yeah, uh, I definitely think it's still an elite conference. Um, I just, I've been seeing these teams basically flip throughout the years. You know, uh, um, you know, Albright was on top when I was a freshman and sophomore, and we see how their season went last year. Um, and then Misericordia was always on uh, the bottom of the totem pole when I was a freshman, when I was a sophomore. And, you know, they, they ended up beating us last year. So um, then you see teams like FDU out of the woodwork. Um, you know, it, ju- it just seems like um, teams are rising and falling and you can't really get, you know, a great um, look at the conference, uh, especially during the preseason because you never really know what's going to happen. You never know if there's new freshmen coming in that are going to make an impact. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard to uh, evaluate, but that's just what I've noticed since playing in it.
1: So, James, it's your, your senior season. I think you told us uh, you're, you're from a little north of, uh, of Philadelphia. Uh, just, you know, tell us, you know, kind of, you know, your your story, how you ended up at, at Widener and, and um, you know, what you're looking to do after football is over.
4: Um, well, the recruiting process out of high school was a little difficult for me. Um, I came from a pretty predominant program in the PCL, uh, Archbishop Wood. Um, and re- re- like I said, recruiting was tough. Um, Widener came at, out after me and, um, I decided I was going to Widener on April 30th, when the, the final date you could pick was May 1st. Um, so I didn't, really, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but I had a couple of overnights here. I had a couple visits, and I, I realized Widener was a place for me. It just felt like a very family-oriented place. Um, I came to the, uh, the Lebanon Valley game uh, in their 2015 season. And uh, it was the first night game in a while. And uh you know, I just I felt at home, you know, uh seniors, juniors, it didn't matter what year you were in, they they took me under their wing. They they treated me like I was there for four years before that. Um, but it's it's a really family oriented place. Um I love it here and I'm so happy with the decision I made.
0: Glad you're mentioning family because uh, this is the point in the interview uh, when we allow you to say hello to them, uh, among others. And I'm glad you're smiling because I was just about to say to you that you are very business-like about this, and which you should be. That's great. Uh, I mean, uh, Coach, <laughs> would love that fact about you. But we try to bring out a little bit of the softness side of the players once in a while, mm-hmm. if that's possible. And uh, your aunts and your uncles, uh, your parents, uh, your whole family uh, is – probably watching this so make sure when you're doing the following uh segment here to smile yeah i (laughs) give shout outs to your family friends uh teammates whoever may be watching this uh james gillespie the floor is yours for shout outs
4: well i just want to shout out you know first and foremost my parents i'm so thankful for everything they've done for me um my brother and sister um growing up you know they made th- life so much easier. You know, my brother is a year removed from me. So, um, you know, me and him were always so competitive. And now he's at Villanova playing basketball. Um, my sister was a Division One athlete at Delaware. Um, she just had a baby in uh, July. And we're all really excited about that. Um,
1: also James,
4: right? You mates, you know, aunts, uncles, all the family.
0: You know, JB, uh, one of the things uh, that I love about this show is I didn't know much about James Gillespie coming into uh, today's interview and didn't know how this interview would go for that matter, because obviously we were kind of shooting blindly when we uh, get folks we've never spoken with before. This was an awesome interview. You are an awesome guy. Uh, Football, (laughs) uh, obviously you love the game and you're a great human being you can tell and that's why coach b wanted you to be our interview i guess uh from the start he knew this about you so i really appreciate uh your time uh, as does jb and uh good luck this season mm-hmm. it's just not the same without widener toward the top in 2000 when i used to uh, broadcast for union college i remember doing the playoff game between widener and Union, and they shocked us because we didn't really know that much about Widener back then, and Union erased a 26-point deficit but still lost the game in that game. It was an amazing game, and Widener went far that year. Uh, There's no reason why this year's Widener team can't do the same thing, and uh, guys like you will make sure of that, I am sure. So thank you for your time, and good luck this season.
4: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, JB, so you really do look like a smart man to me right now with uh, the Widener pick. Coach <laughs> B uh, is uh, definitely building something there. It was a little surprise they hired internally after the mess that occurred with Coach Kelly there. But at the same time, you can see that not all assistant coaches necessarily buy into everything that the head coaches do or talk about. And in this case, with the lineage that he has, uh, Coach B uh, there, that he's a good pick and motivational and James Gillespie gives us a lot of that information there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think,
1: you know, I uh, talk about my predictions not being right. Well, I I, I had them as the winner of the Mac in the 2018 uh, kickoff preview. And uh, after a four and six finish, I mean, there was a combination of, of issues, including injuries that 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 tripped them up, but there was there was other stuff going on that we had you know, talked about last season. But at the end of the day, it sounds like uh, the pride is is back on track. Um, they're focusing on their 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 tradition of you know kind of always being kind of in the hunt for a national championship, and it will start off with them you know trying to uh, you know raise their game this season.
0: So again, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we have Val, both of us at the top there. You have Stevenson with them, uh, so. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. Stevenson has been kind of a headstrong team in that conference, no doubt, but has not been able to put together, let's say, enough wins to be the uh, team to take down Del Valle at the top of the perch there or anyone else uh, when it's come down to the last few years. I think Del Valle's been the winner actually all the last three years, if I, I had to think back right now. So, uh, anyway. Let's go NESCAC real quick. We're only doing this to tell you who our projected winner and sleeper uh, is uh, for each of us because no games are played in week one by them. But they do have a nine-game schedule coming up, as you know. Trinity, both of us, uh, until somebody proves otherwise. Uh, And then Middlebury uh, for James. Williams for me. We'll talk more about that next week. But there it is to be comprehensive. JB, we have a hurricane coming up. Uh, the coast, and uh, or, yep. or that mm-hmm. should be. Uh, last we knew, uh, we're recording this Sunday. It looks like it's going to have some influence on Florida, but not necessarily a, a catastrophic one. As of the recording of this, that could change. Uh, it that. could hit the Carolina coast uh, pretty hard. And so let's look at these games and talk about uh, you know what are what we expect in each one of them, or not each one of them. We'll pick out a few at least uh, to talk about. Uh, but the first game right away is one that. I think could have some uh, issues because of this storm. Johns Hopkins at Randolph-Macon on Thursday evening, not sure what to make of how the storm will play out, but Hopkins coming to play their first game since Coach Barcraft's passing, and that's going to be emotional for sure. But against a team like Randolph-Macon that's kind of on the upswing here right now, this is a yeah. trap game in a lot of ways. They could lose this game. I mean, this is not a gimme game by any stretch of imagination on the yeah. road. Uh, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, we, we spoke with um, the other quarterback, David Tamaro, in, in the offseason. Um, I, I know that they you know, feel great about, uh, you know, last year's uh, results, other than, you know, obviously what happened with, uh, with Coach Margraff uh, right after the new year. But, you um, this team you was know, was touchdown away from going to the national championship so uh they feel like you know their their window is still open and so it, it's one of the very few if an, I, I think it might be the only um game uh in, in week one that has two teams in the top 25 playing each other so um and, you know they're, they're gonna take this one serious and it'll be a business trip i'm sure and um should be should be a great way to kick off the uh the, the season
0: but as a reminder, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Florida versus Miami, uh, that these week one super games can be mistake fests because the teams just aren't yep. there yet. And so these are mm-hmm. always risky games. Uh, number six, uh, you know, ranking doesn't really matter to me in week one as much as uh, it should yeah. in the rest of the season because you just don't know what you're going to get. But like you said, the experience tomorrow company, uh, tomorrow, excuse me, in company, I should say, uh, is Uh, Something that I think puts them over the top, but if this game is even played that night or some other time, uh, that's going to be a big uh, asterisk right now. Another uh, game that's going to be in, let's say, harm's way, Alvernia versus Gallaudet. We heard back on Twitter on Sunday night that uh, Gallaudet's monitoring the situation. It looks okay for now, but obviously things change. Conditions can change. One more game we'll talk about in a second on their next uh, slate. But first, let's finish out here. The Friday night games, the one I'm looking most forward to, although I'm going to go to Dal at Kane, I believe, uh, at this point, Framingham State at Endicott. I think that game is a tremendous game that's going to tell us a lot about two yep. teams that we have both either picked or are looking at, uh, consider picking at the top of their conferences, the MASCAC and the CCC. Endicott to me, if they can handle a team like Framingham State, that bodes very well for them. I think Framingham State comes in as probably a little bit of the favorite here, but with, yeah. like, let's say you know a seven-point type of scenario within one possession type favorite, this is a good game, and uh, I'm going to be watching that out of the corner of my eye, uh, you know, on the phone or whatever I can uh, use to watch it that night. Any games that you want to pick out here? Worcester State WPI's back in play this year.
1: Yeah, that's the first time that game's been played in a couple of seasons. Uh, Coach Rob and company are excited about that, um, get that rivalry renewed. Um, fortunately for uh, the engineers, uh, a certain All-American tight end, Jacob Mayer is no longer on the Lancers. He actually plays for Framingham State now. So he transferred <laughs> his senior season uh, to, to play for the uh, the um, and he's a, he's a guy who's you know getting looks from NFL scouts and, and so on. So we'll see you know if he can really make a, a big difference in the Rams' offense. Uh, the biggest question mark I have with Endicott is you know the the, the loss of uh, Michael Rivera, their their star middle linebacker. You know how will that impact? They're bringing back a ton on offense and they're going to be able to put up points. But it's the defensive side of the ball um, that makes me a little concerned for the for the Gulls. And, and time will tell if. Um, they can hang in there or not.
0: Sounds good. Let's go to uh, the Saturday games at this point. And uh, North Central at Christopher Newport. (laughs) Now, uh, we were talking to Pat Coleman earlier on Sunday, and he pointed out that if Christopher Newport cancels uh, classes on Friday uh, for any reason because of this hurricane, that Saturday uh, may not allow them to – they may not allow uh, hosting of an event on Saturday uh, there – that would be a huge loss of a sure. really high-profile out-of-conference slash out-of-region game uh, in this situation. Yeah, that's, that would uh, definitely. And, and I guess there's always
1: the slight possibility that, um, that the captains could you know, hop a flight to Chicago and play that game up there, possibly, uh, depending on the, the hurricane situation. But they just spent a ton of money going up to Canada the offseason. They, they had an opportunity to do a team trip up there. Uh, and they played um, you know, as a Canadian uh, college uh, team. And so I don't know if, it's pr- if the budget will support that kind of a move, if that's, if that's the case. But it would be, like you said, it would be a shame if they had to cancel that one because that's a great matchup.
0: Yeah, it's not an easy thing to reschedule it either because I'm sure there's either a flight involved here or some kind of long distance bus trip, obviously. So yeah. uh, cross your fingers that it gets played and that this storm actually does go out to sea further and doesn't affect Virginia at all or uh, the Carolinas, or anybody That'd that would be the best matter. case, for sure. TCNJ at Muhlenberg is a game I'm going to try to attend uh, at least part of on Saturday I uh, at the start in Philly for uh, flag football reasons, a uh, referee uh, clinic, and then move up uh, Pennsylvania at that point. Brockport at Hobart, a game that we attended last year on our Game Day Live segment. We'll try to do one of those again later on this season. Uh, FDU floor, Merchant Marine, Carnegie Mellon, MIT, there's a brain bowl right there. Wesley at Franklin Pierce, yeah. D2. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see what yeah, Wesley's program. able to do against some upper level uh, talent. Uh, Springfield, Western New England, Pinch and Saw game moves back to Saturday. I wish it was staying on Friday, to be honest with you. I thought it was a great uh, venue. Yeah, the lights would make it more fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Western New England, maybe with the night games, can't do as well with it. That might be what's happening there. Rowan at Widener, a game I'd love to attend, but I will be also attending later that night. That crazy games. Oh, yeah, last year we talked about it with James Gillespie. Uh, St. Lawrence at Utica at 7 o'clock on Saturday. That should be a really good game, I think. That was a, a crazy game last year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, hoping to see uh, what Coach Rajano and company uh, have up their sleeves there. Uh, Coach uh, Puck is going to be uh, bringing his team to town, it looks like. Uh, and I, I don't know who to pick in that one, although Utica is our sleeper. St. Lawrence was your, uh, your sleeper for the Liberty League. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think with the I think with the maturation of their uh, their Canadian quarterback uh, Groucho, and and sort of that you know seventy to, to, you know create, you know pass attempts a game they they have this new air it out um, offense it's going to be tough for uh, for the Pioneers to to cover all these receivers and so unless they can bring a ton of pressure up the middle and, and try to take some of that away from the Saints it should, it could be a I mean I think last year it ended up being like a like a field goal game like nine to six it was really low scoring. But I have a feeling this year it's going to be a little different. I think St. Lawrence has a, you know, they, they know this new um, offense that, that Coach Puck and, and team has is, is put into place. And I think they're going to really air it out. And it should be an entertaining game.
0: So there you have it, folks. Uh, we've covered all nine conferences, although uh, we'll cover uh, the NESCAC uh, a little bit more next week. Uh, We'll cover some more national stuff next week as well. Uh, The way it works is we'll have a host chat segment out next week, usually a player interview and a coach interview at some point. And sometimes we'll do a projection show. We're not going to do plays of the week yet. We're going to do save that for pre, uh, either week two or week three. We're going to start those up. It's a lot of heavy okay. lifting going on in this first week, folks. And so uh, give us a little bit of a break on that one because it's that's going to take a lot of work to uh, go get those plays of the week. But uh, we'll include in our uh, host chat show uh, basically a recap of all the games, touch them all basically, and uh, we call it crunch time. And uh, you'll see that here uh, coming up. And don't forget, we're also allowing for audio uh, podcasts uh, or audio listeners to uh, take this podcast now. And that may not be immediately effective on the Tuesday that this is released. But by Wednesday, we hope to have that up on our Podbean site, which uh, connects to iTunes. So a lot of excitement going on here, a lot of different ways to view and listen to us. God help you if you uh, want to do that every day or every week, but we may get available to you. JB, hey. final thoughts for week one before we head into it?
1: Well, I think like we've you know, we we've, we've said before, this is going to be an interesting uh, season. First off, it's starting later than usual. Um, there's going to be a, a handful of almost like playoff type type of inter-regional games in the first couple weeks of the season to see some teams coming into the East that you normally would have to wait until... Uh, you know the first round of the NCAA playoffs to see. So I think it's going to be a really great, uh, a great season. A lot of fun. A lot of different stuff. We, th- we think we know what we're talking about with all these. You know, and all this stuff. You won't be able to see this on the podcast or the pod. Being sorry, but you know, the part that's part of the fun. Though we're going to give it our best shot, and and uh, we'll be along the ride all the way to you know Texas in December. So should be a great I wore year. My-
0: Family and friends all the time, and anybody that tries to have a personal life with me. Sixteen weeks is uh, what this is going to last uh, for uh, you and me both. And it is a marathon, uh, but uh, we enjoy a lot of it. Uh, that James Gillespie interview—I think I said it at the end of that—that that there's a lot of reasons we love this show. But getting to meet some of these student athletes and talking about the, you know, football, but also life with them, and it's just—it's still a pleasure. And as long as we're enjoying it, we're going to continue doing it uh, for you folks. And uh, please, uh, the, the whole thing, the give and take on this thing is push us out on your social media. We can't survive without you sharing us at the end of the day. Also, watch Twitter this weekend because when I attend a game, we send you video clips via Twitter that you won't see anywhere sure. else. Uh, we try to you know, give you that insight into the game. Uh, from the sideline view uh, that I'm able to give you, and then also bring some interviews during uh, the next week's show. Well, plenty of interviews, it looks like, coming up, (laughs) if I have any way of doing it. Plenty of interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay, JB, looks like we're past our bedtime anyway, so let's uh, say good night or good day to these folks that uh, might be watching a little bit earlier, and we'll see you throughout the weekend. It's week one of 2019, our season 12, but college football's 150th season, this year.